This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, I don't see a much better way to do this um, than this. I it doesn't need to be presentational. I told Kevin to just like not even deal with um, theater lights. It's just going to be me and Trin and some other guests having a conversation, and you guys are here, too. Um, so laugh when you will. Um, cry when you will. I know I will. Um, <laughs> and uh, thank you guys so much for coming. This means a lot to me. Uh, and I love getting to do this live and uh, sharing this with um, actual people instead of it just being like a cool vacuum of me and one other person and then talking to people about it later. It's cool to subtract all of that from the equation and it just be this. That's really awesome. And I have only, this is only the second time I've ever done it. So thank you guys all so much for being here. And uh, without further ado. so much fun. Uh, I have been Andy Dwyering to talk about Parks and Recreation. Um, and what better time than the swan, Ron Swan song of the first 100 episodes to do that. Uh, I'm sure people have been, been wieting in anticipation. Uh, I thought about, <laughs> I knew that was coming at some point. Doing this solo and just like talking to no one about Parks and Rec or having someone interview me, but as it purred Haplians, uh, <laughs> Trin Garitano is someone who has been up on my potential guest list for ages. And uh, when I found out she wanted to talk Parks, I uh, Don Amigo wanted to disappoint. <laughs> uh, so I said, Nope, Leslie, do it. to all you April Luddites, Lud, guy, Lud, guy, Ludgates, who haven't seen it, but Ann Perkins up, because we're gonna Tom Haver fun. Uh, I'm so excited that it's finally time to pull the Chris Traeger on talking about Parks and Rec on MBSing. Uh, fuck you, Jerry Gergich. Kidding. Gary is the best. Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, I'm sure you all have seen so far, you've been trying to make out the jokes on this thing instead of listening to my terrible jokes. Um, this is a really cool thing that was loaned to me by past guest of the show, Sarah Shockey. Um, I've already told a few of you this in the room, so uh, bear with me as I tell the podcast and everyone else. Um, a friend of hers works for uh, 
uh, Amy Poehler's Smart Girls. And once the show wrapped, uh, Parks and Rec wrapped, and everyone had vacated the set, they let the employees go onto the set and take stuff. So her friend sent her some this and a few other things in the mail as a birthday gift. Uh, so this is actually from the park set. That's so cool. Uh, you can't see, but the only note on this, so uh, on the show, uh, aficionados will know, it's called the Ron Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. So this is very obviously a prototype. Uh, it says success. Um, but the only note on this that's written is, uh, it just says, not so pink, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they didn't want Ron to have a vaguely pink pyramid. Um, so that is fun. And I have some other things that I'll talk about once um, I get Trin in on the fun uh, that I think um, fans of the show and general nerds and uh, such will enjoy experiencing with me. I haven't even read all this stuff, and I don't plan to read all of it uh, like on mic, but there's some really cool things in here, and I'm excited to, to share that later on the show. Just to tease. Keep everyone interested. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, my dear friend, Nick Johnson, who was, I believe, episode seven on the show, uh, is out in L.A., um, but he sent me uh, a little thing he prepared that he wanted me to share with everyone, um, and he actually has an intro for it, so I'll just let that speak for itself. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Johnson here. I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> bedroom in beautiful Hollywood, California. Just wanted to start by saying congratulations to Mary Beth. Uh, 100 shows. This is really a great accomplishment. You deserve it. It's, it's, uh, it's a great show. It keeps me connected to Chicago. And it's really, uh, I hope that you never stop doing it because I'll, I'll certainly never stop listening. Aww. Uh, I, I, what I a guy. I wrote a little song. I'm going to cut to the chase here. I wrote a little song. <laughs> He's not going to cut to the chase this, for, for this momentous two more piece. minutes. <laughs> it's really got a lot of meaning to it. I think. It's, it's a, a song that not only uh, praises you for, for your accomplishment uh, of, of reaching 100 shows, uh, but it it also uh, kind of speaks to what the show has meant uh, to to me and to so many people. So stupid. Um, you'll notice that uh, the opening uh, the opening uh, melody uh, is is reflected in the closing of the song, um, which which is key. I, it, that was kind of a, a thing that I wanted to. Uh, to, to relay throughout the song, really, that, uh, that uh, this, this is far from the end, is, is what I'm trying That's to, true. to get at with, with that motif. Uh, this, this may be your 100th episode, but we may have another 100, 200, 300, who knows. And oh, so by, by placing the same melody uh, from the beginning of the song <laughs> to the end of the song, that shows that, that this is a part of the cycle. Yeah. He told me he could cut this down if I wanted him to, but that the intro is pretty integral to the whole bit. So. You and everyone really uh, to, to keep on going. Uh, we face adversity certainly throughout life, and, and uh, 
the, the goal always is to triumph over that and to, to uh, life, life is never a story with a beginning, middle, and end. It is a constant cycle. Uh, and that's, that's really the, the motif I'm trying to get at with it here. Uh, you'll notice that in the, roughly in the middle of the song, uh, there's a slight uh, shift. And that kind of represents uh, uh, my uh, physical disconnect. Uh, from, from being in the room while things happen, but at the same time uh, to feel connected to the people in the room while you're uh, Ryan said this uh, earlier, and I reiterate, I, we're all very glad he's actually not uh, in the room. Uh, well, none of your listeners are, are present. Uh, you, you very much feel them in the room. We, we feel like we're a part of the show. Uh, so I, I, I hope that part was clear as well. Ugh, I uh, promise it's almost I over. I forgive the, the, the crudeness of the recording. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it was recorded here in my in my bedroom in, in beautiful Hollywood, California. Um, so not, not the highest of quality, but uh, it's the emotion and, and the meaning and the metaphor that I really want to uh, to make sure uh, relays to everyone. Uh, now, um, to everyone uh, in attendance, uh, I've, I've provided Mary Beth with a lyrics. Uh, he uh, did do that. A set of lyrics. Um, she may or may not have. I did not. Mary Beth, if, if you have, uh, please go ahead and, and distribute those. Uh, I didn't do that. And, uh, make sure everybody's capable of singing along. This. This song is really. I think you guys will be able to pick unity, it up. You know, that's, that's I think one of the central themes. Uh, <laughs> so please, everyone, do do please sing along. Uh, if you need a moment to, to distribute the lyrics, uh, go ahead I don't and pause me here. Uh, I won't be. And otherwise, if not, uh, I, I'd like to invite you to listen and enjoy this song again. Keep in mind, very deep, uh, very meaningful, uh, very heartfelt. Uh, it's really, uh, I, I think, my best work. Uh, so I, I he may not be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. sheet was just my name a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Nick, for somehow being the most annoying part of this, even though you're not here. Uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way, and uh, thank... Uh, he, he was being sincere when he, he listens to the podcast all the time, and he sent me actually really uh, sweet email recently that it's really helped him kind of like uh, keep pace in, in L.A. and remember why he's doing the things he's doing. Uh, and he also says, uh, it's not reflected here in the bit, but congrats on 100 episodes. Uh, there's nothing new I can't say that wasn't said at the one-year anniversary show, but I'll always appreciate that there was someone out there who cared enough to learn about something important to me. It has been and likely always will be the best thing about your show and the best thing about you. Butts and farts, Nick. Uh, P.S. I destroyed my throat during this recording. <laughs> uh, so that guy's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
thank you guys for uh, humoring that, uh, just as we all humor Nick Johnson in our day-to-day lives. I'm going to stop shitting on him. That's me. Um, he'll love it. Cool. A couple of other... Uh, oh, no. I would love to invite to the stage my dear friend, Jimmy Pennington, who has a bit of a, an editorial, if you will, on the podcast. All right. Uh, you can do whatever you'd like. Okay. Uh, I'll sit. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds um, great. It's a podcast, so you can't see how I'm dressed. <laughs> All right. This is not long, so don't worry. Uh, Uptown is a gigantic shithole. Basically, if you're on Broadway north of Montrose and south of, let's say, Argyle, and you're not currently using methadone to kick heroin or actively using heroin, you have no business in Uptown. <laughs> This neighborhood was the location of the Old Annoyance Theater space. The Old Annoyance is where I first met Mary Beth Smith. I can't say how we first met, largely because my memories between the age of 23 and 33 are firmly buried in a haze of alcoholic stupor. I say that because it leads me to my first clear and distinct memory of Mary Beth. I do still have pieces of our early friendship, asking her to chew food near me while I tried to sleep before a show and Will met, a particularly specific and bizarre fetish I'd love to never talk about again. <laughs> asking her what her name was at least 20 times, and while I don't remember specifically saying anything inappropriate to her, let's err on the side of history and say I did that too. <laughs> the event I clearly remember takes place more than a year after Mary Beth and I had become close friends. It was spring of 2012 and I was newly and angrily sober, a piece of information I was largely not sharing. I was standing at the Annoyances bar after a show that had either gone very well or very badly, and a friend offered to buy me a drink. I declined, and this, I'm sure, well-intentioned person pressed that they would really like to get me one. And by this point, Mary Beth had walked in between us, but as I'm sure you are all well aware, Mary Beth walking in between two people talking does not pose any physical obstruction to a <laughs> conversation between two people of fully adult height. <laughs> as I began to decline this drink again, Mary Beth said, Jimmy hasn't had a drink in a few months, and we're all really proud of him. To that point in my life, I had very few people say that they were proud of me. <clears throat> and for good and sad reasons. <clears throat> But without even knowing it, uh, Mary Beth tempered <clears throat> my resolve and allowed me to feel loved, things I am neither good nor adept at achieving. <clears throat> this is Mary Beth Smith. This is heroism on a personal and existential level. This is unapologetic sincerity personified in a human being. Sincerity is an undervalued attribute among comedians, and who can blame us? We who sit in grimy, poorly lit, darkly lit attended and poorly attended theaters, or chandeliered and famously namesake poorly attended theaters, <laughs> we have had spirits bend, break, and mend. But with each repair grows a little scar tissue, a little more caution, a little more pause before taking a choice or a risk. And this skin gets thicker until you stop feeling like a callus on your finger from working with wood. Eventually, you don't feel the splinters anymore, but you also don't feel the flesh of your loved one so well either. And so the eyes start to narrow, and now the rape jokes don't hurt anyone. And the, hey man, it's comedy bullshit starts. And then you're the asshole who can't take a joke because you can no longer make a joke. Mary Beth Smith is not this person. This is why she has 100 episodes of a show celebrating whatever you love, because she loves it too. And the truth is, she probably doesn't love it, but she loves talking to you about something you love unbridled enthusiasm. Hers is a well of optimism that will not be poisoned, and Lord, I have tried. <laughs> not intentionally, but nevertheless, I have brought my worst to Mary Beth. 
whether it's my attitude at increasingly frustrating rehearsals for Western-themed musicals with no apparent plot or direction, or my absolute hatred of things I don't understand, like people who perform, direct, support, or enjoy musical improvisation. And she has, with unnerving regularity, shrugged me off with a smile so pure and resolute that it absolutely melts my tiny Grinch heart. Nietzsche said, if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. But Nietzsche was a fascist fucking bridge troll. I argue that it is impossible to spend any time with Mary Beth and not feel hope, potential, and joy. This is why we want to go on to her podcast. Because we are parasites that want to feel good. And she is an excellent host. And to negate what is certainly an uncomfortable and maybe only personally applicable metaphor, I think it is because Mary Beth pushes us to be our best selves and we all want to be our best selves. It is a voice inside us all that maybe we have muted for fear of being exposed as a feeling, fallible human being. I tell performers in class at Annoyance not to judge other performers. I tell them because, in my experience, the inner voice that judges other people's work says, man, he looks stupid. She isn't a good actor. This theater sucks. That voice absolutely does not sit idly when we get on stage. That's the moment our discipline and habits really kick in. And if we have allowed that voice to grow, it is the same one that pins you to the back wall. The voice that tries to stop you from enjoying the moment as it is created for fear of looking or sounding stupid. That voice keeps you a spectator rather than a participator. And honestly, sincerely, please grow the fuck up. Discipline yourself to see what is good on stage, what is working. Empathize and identify rather than marginalize and criticize. Listen to Mary Beth cackle at a show that isn't going well. She is unselfconsciously oblivious to the grinding machinery around her for the best reason in the world. That machinery does not exist. Your negativity, my negativity, it is desolate and without purpose, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Mary Beth is the antidote to that inner voice, and she will love you until you can love yourself. She is comedy's Leslie Nope. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Jimmy. Uh, I knew that was going to be good, but I uh, didn't know it was going to be that humbling. Thanks. Um, shit, I really appreciate that. Uh, I thought about, I was going to try to put Jimmy at the end, but he has to leave early. <laughs> yeah, he's, there's hockey going on. Thank you all for being here in spite of that. Uh, is the air going to stay on? Is that a thing? That's what I figured. I just wanted to make sure that was something that had been tended to. Uh, while that's happening, we're going to power through. Um, cool. Uh, this is actually appropriate in that um, a couple of things that people sent me as thoughts about their time on the show. Uh, Aaron Land talked to me about the ocean. Uh, said that she really loved the fucking six-toed cat that was staying with us while we recorded because uh, this giant cat named Ivan um, was staying in our apartment for a few months and you could hear it on most of the episodes that I did during that period of time. And, uh, and she said, um, in moments of heavy silence, we'd hear the faintest squeaky-squeaky from his toys or a thwack sound when he hit his head against the door. <laughs> R.I.P. Six-Toed Cat. He is not dead. Uh, um, I would have dated you. Uh, that, those, those are uh, 
Aaron's words, not mine. Um, Ivan is still alive and well. He resides with our dear friend AD in uh, pretty close to Uptown, and he is a fucking giant now. He's like, like, uh, like Bobcat lives in his house, basically. Um, and uh, along with that and with um, this, I would love to go ahead and extend a huge thanks to um, Cards Against Humanity and to uh, Kevin and Claire specifically for all their help with facilitating uh, this show, uh, future shows I'm going to be recording in their studio, uh, which is super awesome and no cats here. Um, and... Uh, also to uh, Claire and Cards for coordinating what is the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. It's so cool to be a part of that, um, and uh, I hope that it continues uh, to run for a long time because there's a lot of really cool things happening in Chicago that uh, places like Cards are incredible about um, championing into a bigger platform, um, and I feel like the co-op has kind of been a part of that so far, so I'm very gracious to be a part of that, um, and thanks to everyone who is involved. Um, my dear friend, Bill Green, who came on the show to talk about politics, sent me some of his thoughts from our episode, which I think kind of, um, piggyback slightly on, on some of the things Jimmy talked about, uh, Bill said that um, the thing that he loved most about his conversation, uh, and there were many, um, he loved that I included a line from Forrest Gump because we had to go pee, so I had the, you know, I believe the man said he had to pee, uh, which seemed like the only thing to put into a political episode where a pee break was happening. <laughs> um, he said he appreciated uh, my story about my dad and my grandmother. Um, uh, this was my grandmother and my dad talking about uh, gay marriage and being my dad kind of trying to convince his mom of, to be more accepting of it. And that was something that I never thought I'd see my dad um, do in my life. Uh, so that was a really cool moment, and it was a cool to be able to share that on the podcast because uh, as much as this is a thing um, that I get to talk to other people about what they love, I'm still a part of it and have um, dumb thoughts that I also get to contribute to conversations. Um, but Bill said he thought that was really insightful, and we, he also loved how he compared everything to uh, our dear friend Joe Underbaki's life in the sense that Joe is this person who cared um, about the way things should be but still didn't uh, you know, inform himself and vote in the last election, which had happened... Right. Uh, the midterms election happened like a few days before I recorded with Bill. So everything was like very fresh. Um, and he said that uh, it was um, it, it, it was re revisiting it recently. Everything that we talked about, about uh, how the election had gone and how things were probably going to shift has become true in his mind. So it was really interesting to have like a few months of perspective on it and reflect on what he thought then versus what he thinks now as someone who works at a nonprofit that's funded by the governor's office. And when you have a new governor who may not fund that nonprofit, that directly affects your life. So for Bill, like politics is more than just watching as shit happens around him. He's this incredibly passionate person who is trying so hard to like better things and just wants um, to try to get everybody on that same page. Um, and he said uh, the part that surprised him a lot was his story about voter suppression in Milwaukee. The story is specifically about um, 
a woman making such a, causing such a scene that the cops were called, uh, which was very obviously uh, voter suppression in the sense that there are laws against uh, police being around voting uh, places, polling places. So someone was, uh, and they're only supposed to respond to things that are like life and death type situations. But it was something like, I can't vote here, and they sent me somewhere else, and now I can't vote here. And they called the cops, which is um, essentially illegal. So that's happening. And uh, Bill said he thought it was something people might have known about, but uh, my comments made him think possibly otherwise. And I think that. An interesting thing to kind of keep in mind where all these things are concerned. Uh, above all, uh, Bill says, I just love the whole thing, and it was super fun, and um, the beers and Sammies that he provided were goddamn delicious. <laughs> um, so, without any further ado, as there's been much, I would love to welcome to the stage my lovely guest, Trin Garitano. <laughs> You can sit here. I'll do it. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This uh, is your hundredth episode. This is one hundo. That's like that's great. I, I haven't done a hundred of anything ever, and I'm really proud of that. You. Can't be true. Yeah, no, maybe a hundred cookies or something. Yeah, I was gonna say. Let's yeah. think about this logically. I'm, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it. I would say that it's a labor of love, but it doesn't even feel like that. It's something that. Um, I get to have an incredible conversation at least once a week with a person that I respect and enjoy, and then other people enjoy listening to that too, and most of the time it just baffles me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for doing this. Um, Trin, uh, I've known, is, uh, I should say, I did not give a proper introduction. I had notes. She's the events manager here at Cards Against Humanity, just to kind of put all of that into its own um Theme, and she also has her own podcast that's relatively new, Thanks. Friendshipping with yeah. Trin and Jen. So check that out. Uh, Jen is another member of the cards team here, and the place wouldn't run without him. I happen to know that's a fact. Oh, thanks. I'd like to let's uh, show my boss this podcast. <laughs> uh, your boss was the only other person that I've done a live show with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wore a very nice, like, uh, linen suit. He did! Yeah. Uh, he asked Claire the day of, what do people wear? Or I think he asked Twitter the day of, what do people wear to podcast recordings, live podcast recordings, and Claire responded, linen suits. Yeah. And he did it! Yeah. And that's the beauty of Max! Yeah, he looked like he was going to a tropical wedding. It was beautiful. He did! Was he really looked nice. like, he uh, walked yeah. in and I was like, damn, dude, you look stellar! Too bad this is just audio! <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, I found out about your love of parks. Uh, I'll give my intro to your love of it before you give your intro to your love of it. Um, I came to the office uh, one Friday after work um, and Trin was setting up festivities for Galentine's Day because that's a holiday now. And uh, I, I came into the kitchen to ask if she needed any help and uh, she said no and was kind of just like generally, I enjoy doing this because this is great and um, I was like yeah Parks and Rec right like it's the best thing and she was like oh it's it's like my my favorite thing like I I didn't know really what I 
was until I saw what Leslie Nope is. And I was like, oh, damn, that's so cool. And, like, knowing what Trin does for cards, it's so true. Um, and, uh, and then I said, oh, man, Parks is my favorite thing, too. If I ever did my own podcast, I would talk about Parks. And she said, if I ever did your podcast, I would talk about Parks. And I was like, Are you got to do my podcast, and we got to talk about Parks. <laughs> so, uh... What is your origin story uh, for your love of Parks and Recreation? So I have loved Amy Poehler for forever, just like as a, as a human being and as a comedian. And mm-hmm. I loved her mm-hmm. on Upright Citizen Brigade. Yeah, duh. And I liked her on um, Saturday Night Live, and I just like followed her forever. And then I was like, oh, a new show with Amy Poehler! Uh, and then I like binge-watched um, the first season, because I'd, I'd missed it. And um, I thought it was just okay. Yeah. I thought it was just kind of meh. And mm-hmm. then and then uh, somebody told me like uh, like a, a couple of years later, because I kind of caught up on it after that. Like, oh, she gets so much better. Like, she's not... Wow, so it really yeah. was, like, a couple years. Yeah, yeah. She's wow. Like, she get, she's less ditzy, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I like shows about capable women. Let's yeah. watch those. And I was just like, all in. Yeah. Like, it was it was a really beautiful moment, and I really love the show, and it's good. Oh, uh, yeah! yeah! Three cheers to Parks and Rec <laughs> for, like, changing so the game, yeah. you know? So the first season, uh, just to remind everyone, is only six episodes long. It's short, yes. Um, and I had a kind of similar interest to it. Uh, I did watch, like, four or five of those at least all at once. Um, I remember being this, like, really shitty apartment that I had between my junior and senior year of college and just, like, lying on the floor and just, like, watching them all and being like, oh, damn, like, this isn't what I want it to be, but... I can see the potential. Absolutely. Like, I've also been a huge fan of Amy Poehler for so long, and, like, Aziz Ansari went to my nerdy math and science school five years before I did, so I've been following him since his, like, human giant days. Um, And then, like, here and there, a couple of... I really like Paul Schneider, like, uh, R.I.P. Mark Brandanowitz. (laughs) So it was a really weird thing um, to see and similarly be, like, kind of bummed about, but once the season two started, I was... Yeah. I was in. Yeah, like it was really like they took feedback. I yeah, feel like. like I'd heard that like they actually changed uh, Amy Poehler's character Leslie Nope because people are like, I don't really want to watch this like this person fail. Like I want to see somebody be capable and like enjoy their job and like be happy and and that's what happened. And the whole show is so happy. And yeah, I I've that. I've heard a lot about that too. Isn't that so like the fact that they started out and she was just kind of this hapless like. Like Michael Scott, but not as mean kind yeah. of character, and people are like, "Oh, I've seen The Office already." And it's like, no, like I don't think this ever should have. And this also originally started as kind of supposed to be a spinoff. Yeah, I don't even know how that was possible because it's not an office; it's in local government, which could not be more different. Yeah, but yeah, I totally agree. It was supposed to be like a spinoff, and like, and it felt like a spinoff. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like the same show, and mm-hmm. I was just kind of like meh about it. And. <sighs> Which I think this show has given me, um, I try to give shows a chance before I like write them off now. Yeah. Uh, with the possible exception of like, I watched one episode of The New Girl and was like, I get it. a few episodes later on and was like, oh, I still get it. <laughs> She's so adorable. Those guys are so blah. What are they gonna do? Like, I don't know. Uh, but this is about parks and not shitting on other less good shows. <laughs> but I, I like that you started off talking about Mark Brandanowitz and like R.I.P. But I, like, I was like, good. Yeah. So out. interesting. Yeah. And we didn't need to watch Leslie like 
pining over someone that was unattainable for some reason. For some weird reason, he was yeah. so... He, okay, again, I'm sorry to be shitting on stuff, but... <laughs> that is cool, dog. <laughs> We're gonna get to all the parts that we love about it, so... Yeah. So he's super bland, and I felt like he was there to present, like, to, to make things more uh, accessible to, mm-hmm. like, the average person. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be, like, like just straight He what? That's a really good point. Yeah. I've never really thought about it like that. He was kind of the ultimate straight man for those first, like... He departed somewhere during season two? Season two, yeah. I think yeah. Like near the end of season two. I think so, too. And then was never heard from, seen yeah. from, spoke yeah, of Yeah, it's again. so funny to, like, watch the finale, the series finale where they make all of these, especially, have you watched the producer's cut? No, and I need to! <laughs> Get on it, doggies. Uh, it's got some good stuff. It's got some really fun stuff that just, like, wasn't big enough to make the cut of a, you know... Uh, network finale, but they go to these, like, small, like, you see how Shauna Mulway tweets life turned out. I missed being tweets. <laughs> we just got tweet. Yeah, but, like, it's, uh, they went through all these, like, painstaking small character storylines, and right. they did not say a single thing about poor little Mark Brent- Brendan. <laughs> but that was the Mark thing. Brendan acquits. They made a joke <laughs> about how, like, boring and how that guy needed to leave. It, they called him Mark Brendan acquits. But, like, his story, I felt sufficiently wrapped up. You yeah. Know? Like, no too. Sweep, like, you wanted her to be happy and you yeah. wanted her to, like, find oh, love. Oh, man. You gotta watch this producer's I guy. <laughs> I want to say what happens. <laughs> she marries Bobby Newport. <laughs> such a like silly bit the way that they do it <laughs> that it's very so like so satisfying oh no yeah, yeah. I actually was kind of um, sad by the uh, of the lack of Bobby Newport I actually really like the character Bobby Newport he's just such a chill bro I just <laughs> <laughs> wanted to like go skiing and be happy and drink beer I, I realized in watching um, him in that last episode Bobby Newport is kind of like um, a shitty person version of Andy Dwyer He's, he is Andy Dwyer in the first season. Yeah. Like, he wants yes. to take care of him, and he expects everything to be done for him. Yeah. But he's, like, kind of, he's just, like, happy to look about but it. Like, Whereas, yeah. Like, he's just dumb. I mean, yeah. that's kind of one of the best things about this show, I think, is that you fall in love with these, like, idiots. They're so dumb. Idiots. <sighs> That's how I feel about my life, too, though. It's like, (laughs) just like, surrounded by a bunch of lovable idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk more about Andy Dwyer? Yes! Um, uh, yes. Because I love him. Chris Pratt, just, like, in general, is amazing. And, And, like, what a story. Yeah! Like, he he was on Everwood. (laughs) He was on Everwood! We all watch that show! (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't supposed to come back. Like, he was supposed to, like, be this jerk boyfriend and then just, like, leave. And instead, he fell into a pit and drove... He fell into the pit. We fell into the pit. Um, so I actually, while I was watching the last season, wrote down a bunch of things that I just titled Park's Gifts that I thought were just, like, things that they did for, like, the world (laughs) that they, like, contributed. And I realized looking back at it that, like, I only wrote down, like, 12 things. So it's obviously not an exhaustive list. But five of these things have to do with Andy Dwyer's character. Like, at least. Like, it's just the best. He's such a doof. 
Yeah. I think he became kind of, like, it's a weird thing to say, but he's kind of the entry point. I agree with you. I, I feel like you can watch the show through the perspective of Andy Dwyer. I think so, too. Like, he's just, like, this outsider of the Parks Department. He's watching, like, everything happen. He's mm-hmm. just being lovable and happy and nice. And then he gets a three-legged dog and gets married, and everything is good. Yeah. I, like, I wrote down um, Burt Macklin, FBI, <laughs> uh, Johnny Karate, <laughs> um, uh... What was another one? Mouse Rat and like all Mouse of its rat. iterations. Yeah. Um, Little Sebastian and then parenthetical Five Thousand Candles in the Wind. <laughs> like it's just the best. It, it's he's just this lovable dummy who it's like you said. Like by the end, he he was willing to do anything for those people, even though he's just the dumbest <laughs> along the way. <laughs> That's so much you can do when you're so dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like a body, a body. He's you know? like a golden. <laughs> Retriever puppy. Yes. Like, you just want to, like, watch him walk around the screen and, like, wag his tail. And, and just, uh, get into hijinks. Get into hijinks. And, like, fall off of things. Yeah. Everyone on set, or from what I've read, <laughs> I said that like I've been on set. <laughs> oh, boy. From what I've read, um, everyone talks about, like, how much fun it is to watch him do physical comedy and Mike Schur, the showrunner, praise him, of um, Parks and Recreation, <laughs> said that uh, he has his favorite, like, uh, uh, improvised line of the oh, whole yeah. show. Are you going to film the thing? You do it. No, 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 I want you to do it. You're an actual comedian, and I'm just kind of, like, watching. So do it. <laughs> okay, so Leslie is sick. Andy is trying to help. Also, you know, such a, like, Andy thing. And he um, turns to her from a computer in another office and says, Leslie, I typed all of your... Uh, I typed all of your symptoms into WebMD and it said you have network connectivity problems. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like a fucking stellar joke. It's perfect. Like, it summarizes Andy's desire to help. Yeah. It's like... Uh, you know, this is how dumb dumbs use computers. Like, it's a perfect joke. Oh, God. He had a lot of, like, not understanding how to use computer jokes. Like, yeah. when, when they accidentally wiped all the records, and then, like, April ne- was like, I'm gonna get fired, I'm gonna get fired. Like, yeah, he, yeah, like, yeah. And he threw the computer on the ground, and he to get inside of it. It's like the Zoolander Yeah, joke. I was gonna say, definitely yeah. a Zoolander joke, but it's still worth seeing really Andy is. Dwyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to get the files that are inside the computer. <laughs> um, he... Yeah, I also, uh, I just watched the seventh season, so I feel like all my references are going to be from that. There's this great moment of, he says, like, (laughs) um, Captain Crunch, Count Chocula, Butter. Oh, this is actually just a list of names that that I'm trying to get people to call me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it's the grocery list. Yeah, I think it's And then later on in the episode, he answers the or he tells someone he tells Ben tells Ben's secretary to let him know that Count, Count Chocula, Chocula called. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I think that really like 
that kind of thing really speaks to the whole show, though. Like, yeah. it rewards its viewers, <clears throat> unlike most other things I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I, I have enjoyed, I enjoyed watching Andy's character grow and also his relationship with April. Mm-hmm. It was, like, super important. I remember one time I saw on Tumblr, because I fucking love Tumblr, <laughs> I remember seeing somebody saying that uh, April and Andy's relationship is as though a cat and a dog got married. Yes. And I thought that was really it, cute. That's so, so accurate. It, I, I absolutely agree. And... I think that was one of those things where they started laying the groundwork, like, kind of early. Yeah. At, like, she had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. That she had a crush on him, and there were, like, little things like the summer catalog, and they took a picture of one another, and it's like, that's what made the cover, and it's like, well, this is going to be a thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. Um, I love how they did the callback in season seven. Like, oh, baby, you had a crush on me? It's so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We're married. Oh, it's so good. And then, you know, you have to talk about Janice Nacol. If you're going to talk about Burt Macklin. Oh, yeah. They're role-play characters. Burt can't be Burt without Janet. No, he can't. The whole Snickle Lounge episode where they all get ser- seriously trashed. And that is my favorite episode of the entire show. I feel like it is the best displaying of the writer's talents. Like, Absolutely. They know how all of their characters get drunk. Yeah, and, dog. Like, I feel like anybody going into writing anything, if you don't know what your character acts like when they're drunk, you don't know your character well enough. Oh! That is so true. Yeah. Like Ben Wyatt being like, mm, Baba Booey. <laughs> oh I watch that clip from that episode all the time. Yeah. That, that episode yeah. is called The Fight. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, it, it's season three. Uh, and uh, I think that's really when I, I, you made a really good point. I, it definitely encompasses how good the writers are. Mm-hmm. I also think that's really when the show became what it is by the end. I think that's very fair. Yeah, and in all of the major relationships in the show, so Anne and Leslie, like, need, they needed that mm-hmm. in order to, like, show how good their friendships were. Mm-hmm. And then uh, April and Andy, like, their age difference, like, he didn't have any money, and they yeah. didn't have to, like, deal with dating. Like, that was, like... And un- she fundamentally just, like, disagrees with everything about him as a person. Yeah. <laughs> and it suddenly made everything make sense. Yeah. And it was good, and I liked it. And John Ralphio was there, who was, like, the <laughs> most insane cameo character. I love him so much. How good is Ben Schwartz? Oh he God. is, like, I just want to consume everything he does yeah. because of how good he is as John Ralphio. Entertainment 720, and then, parenthetical, John Ralphio made my list of Parks gifts. Yeah. Because that era of, of Entertainment 720 where, like, all you ever really saw of, of Tom and John Ralphio was just absurdity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just, the, the, they made that office so, like, perfect. It's like, yeah. it's like they researched, like, crazy startups for, like, a year and they <laughs> made that whole weird studio. Yeah, there has to be, you have to have that level of, like, connection to the show working in an office like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I yes, had, I do. I had a couple of friends come in and be like, so, Cards Against Humanity 720? And I was like, no, no, no. It's like, it's not quite like that. No, <laughs> uh, no yeah. Detlef shrimp. <laughs> no uh, Indiana Pacers walking in the office. But I love how they introduced um, Ben Wyatt into that surrounding as like as their accountant. And like, yes. that was such a good juxtaposition. The, the introduction of... I mean, we're going all over, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the introduction of Ben and Chris, uh, like, kind of as a dual replacement for Mark, 
was like, can we talk about greatest upgrade to a show of all time? Oh, my God. <laughs> they just, they, it, it was, was like they had been there since the beginning. It really was. And it was like they fit each other so like as well as Leslie yeah. handed and then fit, just like filled in the whole place of, of Mark very well. And so slowly finding out all these things about what they had done before they came to Pawnee and... Uh, and like the um, Ben Wyatt being ice mayor, like or mayor of Ice Town, um, that is so genius. That like the only thing that cripples this guy from being anything more than just a really good city accountant is the fact that he had this like horrible experience as an eighteen-year-old mayor. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they do a really good job of keeping that like as a funny aside, and yes. then also like an emotionally difficult thing for Ben. Yeah, they even touch back on it. Again, like, oh no. The greatness. Oh no. Uh, they even touch back on it again in the seventh season. They come back to, they come back to Icetown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he has certain hesitations about what his future is still because of how horrible that went for him. And like you said, it gets emotional. It does. But that's like the beauty of Parks and Rec, is that like there are stakes and there are emotional stakes, but I don't think you ever go into an episode being like, this will potentially bum me out. Yes. Like you will never end a Parks and Rec episode being bummed out. bummed. Yeah, that's so true. And I think overall that's one of the biggest takeaways of the show for me is that it's just like a show about people who like each other and are generally good to one another. And... Uh, and being passionate about things, and that's so cool. Like, so, for better or worse, so little comedy comes out of that. I feel like it's the opposite of Seinfeld. Oh. <laughs> like, Seinfeld's all these characters that kind of, like, hate each other a little bit, and yeah. like, they're kind of mean to each other, and, mm-hmm. like, don't, like, come together as, like, a whole, and Parks and Rec is, like, that's, like, the strength of it, is, like, their, their combination as characters. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Claire. And there's even a sense of of being the opposite of Seinfeld because it's so um, modular. Like, not much ever really changes. Like, unless you were a Seinfeld aficionado, you could probably watch an episode from, like, any given season and not really know where it fit in the storyline. But that's coming from someone who's only seen half of Seinfeld, so... So whatever! Um, uh, Like, I want to tell people, like, just skip season one, just go right to season two, but you can't. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I tell people to just... It's only six episodes. Just go for it. Just watch. It's two hours of your time for, like, so much payoff, I think, if you get the whole story. I agree. And by the end... It gets good. Yeah, it gets really good. That's why we're here. Leslie gets the. I I think even by the end of the first season. Oh really? So yeah. what, what was the high point of the end of the first season? Uh, so uh, first of all, there's two just stellar cold opens in the first season that I think could have fit anywhere in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is uh, Leslie's trying to get these teenagers to stop throwing bags of dog turds at each other <laughs> <laughs> because there's like this dog turd disposal thing in one of the parks, and it's like becomes this like hit new teen trend. I think they even have like a name. It's like called. Tur- or something like that, <laughs> and they just like sling bags, and, and they go out there, and they're so mad, and they're just like, she's like, stop, just stop, doing, why are you doing this? And then by the end of the cold open, she's just hurling bags of turds, like <laughs> that's hilarious, and that's something that Leslie would do across the board. You know, it's like they had the right, 
uh, ingredients, and they yeah. just couldn't figure out how to, like, cook them together yet, I think. Her enthusiasm never changed. Yeah. Like, it was just in the beginning, like, she didn't have people who supported her, and, like, she wasn't, like, as capable, and you're, and you're right, she was kind of like a Michael Scott character, but, like, her most visible quality throughout the entire series is her enthusiasm. Which yeah. Which is such a beautiful quality Isn't to have. Isn't it? Like, how great that... The lead character on a show is is an enthusiastic, powerful woman. Yeah! Like, that's dope. <laughs> who has, like, a best friend, and, like, their relationship in itself is, like, a character. Like, yes. That's very such a true. Thing. And such a nice thing to see at the end. Um, like, be, you know, <clears throat> how poignant was Anne and Chris getting written out? Uh, I think it kind of slowed down season six a little. Yeah. In terms of pacing. I totally agree. It took a lot of, like, energy for them to uh, do that. But I think the place where it got to was really satisfying, and the latter half of that season was also really satisfying. Um, But then bring her back, and everyone being in the room, and Leslie just being like, Anne is here! And and it was just like, yeah, that was what that was like. You know, that was what their friendship was like. It was so important that even though Leslie was this enthusiastic, all-inclusive woman, it was still just like, well, Anna's here. Fuck everyone else. Yeah. You know, she's a beautiful, like, the way that she talks about Anna is so it's lovely. She's a beautiful, real breaking moth. I think that um, this is a good time to talk about the other stuff that Shocky sent me. All right. Um, because we're kind of going through uh, the show as it is, and talking about storylines and characters and things like that. Um, So what I have is, um, I think these are really early. It's just a, like, um, brass fastener through a bunch. Oh, this is the first one. So this is just a bunch of scripts from Cold Opens. Um, And only one of them, as far as I can remember, actually made it to air. Uh, and um, but I really like actually I think this uh, sandbox one made it tear too um, uh, but they're all from 2008 which would have been like the first season and uh, so I think this is also like a pretty um, this one is my favorite one uh, so uh, I'll read the uh, um, uh, stage directions and Tom, if you want to read Leslie. Absolutely. Cool. So, uh, uh, Leslie and Tom's, interior Leslie and Tom's office. Leslie is on the phone. Tom sits at his desk. Okay. You got it. She hangs up. Tom, can you deliver this memo to the public works department? They need it ASAP. Why don't you email it? No, no. Too important. I need my best man on it. Okay. You got it, boss. Tom takes the memo from Leslie and walks out the office door. We follow Tom down the hall. Tom turns and walks down some stairs, then out the door. Exterior building. We see him in the parking lot. He gets into his car and drives off. There are some things you don't want to send by email. They are too sensitive or too important or contain things like pictures you can't send on email. That's why I send Tom. He's like my chief of staff. I would trust him with my life. <laughs> B-roll footage. We see, we see Tom sitting at a coffee shop drinking a coffee. He looks through a suit rack at a clothing store. He's in a drugstore looking at different deodorants. <laughs> he goes to church for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> a 
exterior parking lot later. Tom parks his car. He gets out and walks into the building with a new suit. The camera pushes in to find the memo on the passenger seat of his car. Interior, Leslie and Tom's office. Tom walks into the office and sits down. Leslie? Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. <laughs> he goes to church. He went to church. Like, that's a little That's so funny. And, like, I think she, I think this does a good, like, this is a pretty decent portrayal of how Leslie really didn't know, like, right. wasn't totally up on all the inner workings of her office like in she, that early part. Like, she doesn't really know how email works? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you can't send pictures. Like, that's, that's a, like, that's a fun joke to see get shipped off onto um, Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, I feel like that kind of thing would, like, instead of making everyone incompetent, it was cool that, like, there are really competent people and then just a bunch of dum-dums that, like, right. be, but one of the coolest parts about the show for me is that all the dum-dums got to see... Leslie and how passionate and enthusiastic she was and in turn became passionate and enthusiastic. And for a while, I think they did a good job of showing everyone being really passionate and enthusiastic about the department mm-hmm. and the office. And then it was like, you know what? This isn't really believable. Like, right. these people didn't really care about this and they're all different. And then we got to see all of them go into these separate, disparate arcs of what they're actually passionate about. And I think that's fucking awesome and, like, unprecedented for a comedy show. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, Tom working at his desk, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, he wanted to be a mogul. He wanted yeah. to, like, own businesses and stuff. And I like that they kind of... They were able to fold that in super early into mm-hmm. the show. And then, like, April just, like, hated her life. And, like, that was kind of, like, the, the joy of April was, like, how she was purposefully incompetent at her job and like and she worked with Ron really well and like that worked out so well but season seven to be able to see them in the future and I think that's why the time jump yes like that was the only reason that that worked so for anyone who's unfamiliar um and if you are then we've already uh, jumped a bunch of guns but at the very end of season six after an incredible episode just all of these things falling into place um huge pawnee eagleton unity concert all these incredible it felt like a series finale Mm -hmm. uh by all intents and purposes and i think even at some point i mean pretty much every season this show was never a huge success Pretty much every season, they didn't know when they were writing it if it was going to be the last season. Which is, like, unbelievable. Absurd. Like, Amy Poehler never getting an Emmy. An Emmy is the right award for a TV show, Correct. Right? Okay, yeah. No, how? Like, like, why? Like, how and why? Yeah, the weird, the shitty thing is, uh, have Emmy Awards come out for this year yet? I don't think so. Someone Google it. Um, but this would be, obviously, like, the last year that she would be eligible for it. And I don't think she's going to win. That is unbelievable. I would be really surprised if she won. I would, too. Uh, she won a Golden Globe. That's pretty kinda good. Kind of cool. That's a thing. But it's still, like, in that tragic place of, like, um, Steve Carell never won an Emmy for portraying Michael Scott. 
Uh, fair enough. I, I mean, like, I get it, but, like, I just feel like I, I, I've only ever cared about the Emmys in the context of Amy Poehler getting Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason That's I That's so true. Mike Schur, uh, the showrunner, <laughs> praise him, um, <laughs> uh, tweets, like, every year after the Emmys about how, like, how much it's a crime that Amy Poehler has never won one. Like, he is, uh, have you read Yes, Please? I haven't yet. Oh, wow. There's this chapter that she wrote that he does um, uh, footnotes for, and they're all, like, in the margins and stuff. Um, And basically she's writing about, like, the origin of what Parks was. And it's really beautiful. Like, it, oh, man, I just cried and cried. Like, I'm such a fucking sap. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he is... He'll be the first person to just, like, sing her praises. Uh, did you watch um, when the whole cast was on Late Night with Seth Meyers? Yeah! How incredible is that? That was so good. That was just such a, a, a beautiful moment to bring everybody together. I'm glad they had everybody. Yes. Yeah. 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 And to see, like, it was fun at the top, because they're all, like, joking around with one another and uh, and talking about what it was like to see the show end and all the things that you would want. And then they went to a commercial and they came back. They did this thing where each person in the cast had to choose another cast member's name and um, say, like, just like, I think their task was just to, like, say a nice thing about them. Like, I think it was as simple as that. Like, just say a nice thing about this person that you uh, got from the cast or, like, what your relationship with them is like. And try as they might, they couldn't be anything but sincere about it. Like, even, um, uh, oh, God, I just blanked. April's real name is Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza, yeah. Uh, she has this thing where, like, every late night show she goes on, she just does not give a single fuck. Yeah. And it's the coolest. Like, if you've never seen Aubrey Plaza on a late night show, look it up and watch a bunch of them. She, uh, she, she is being April. Yeah. Even she's, when she's basically, like, April. in, she's basically in character as April. Yeah. She just talks about, like, hags and <laughs> witches and, like, it's hilarious. And, um, she was trying, and so she did that for the first part of the Seth Meyers appearance, and then she drew Aziz Ansari's name. And Aziz was, like, the thing that brought her to the show, because they, like, came up through, they kind of knew each other at UCB, and he really, like, wanted her to be a part of it, and he was in talks very early on, and she was, like, and she... And she tried so hard to, like, keep being April and keep just being, like, like, (laughs) late-night shows are dumb. But she was like, man, (sighs) Aziz is the best. Like, I can't imagine what this journey would have been like without him. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, like, and all this stuff. And, like, I'm getting – it's just – I think the nature of the show really – I don't know whether it was chicken or egg, but – both of those things really, like, yang-yang together. It seems like it was just the best show to work on with the best people, but it was also this really cool thing that was so positive as a result, you know? Yeah, I don't think that you could be steeped in that that kind of positivity in your workplace for so long and then, like, not become really good friends and, like, work I don't think together. so either. Yeah, and I think that Aubrey Plaza was one of the people who, like, they wrote into the show. Like, mm-hmm. they knew that they wanted, like, her weird character. That's right. Yeah. yeah, they kind of wrote that for her. Mm-hmm. It was the same for, um, 
Donna, I think. Donna and Jerry, maybe. It was, no, because uh, I know that Jim O'Hare actually auditioned for the for part of Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Yeah. Which is just like, I can't. What a fun fact. <laughs> but yeah, like, can you imagine no. if Jim O'Hare <laughs> had been no. Ron Swanson? I can't. Like, Nick Offerman may be the most inseparable person from character. Yeah, and he auditioned for the part of Mark Mandanowitz. Bazoring! It was I think it was Aziz Ansari and then Ari Plaza and then one other person I can't remember who who they were already going to be in the show before. Like, oh that's right, that's right, yeah, 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 yeah. I uh we're both like nerds who have read a lot about the show. Oh, yeah. no, I know a lot. <laughs> um here's another uh really when I was flipping through this um I saw this whole stack is uh, titled, is separated out by writer. Um, So they're all just story ideas. And I think it's from circa like, oh, this is from uh, season three because they use, um, instead of using Ben and Chris as character names, they use... um, uh, Rob Lowe and Adam Scott. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, they didn't even have character names for them yet. They just, like, knew they wanted to use these guys. And they, they're, I think, two other people who they, like, knew they had actors before they had characters. Yeah, there was, like, a conversation with Rob Lowe where somebody was saying, like, Parks and Rec is the West Wing as a comedy. And the only <laughs> and the only where place you can actually place that, like, that concept is in the Parks and Recreation Department, which I think is really cute. That is really interesting. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think this show works if it isn't like this specific aspect of like bureaucratism I don't know (laughs) bureaucracy would be the word I was looking for (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna go with bureaucratism (laughs) the stakes have to be lower the stakes have to be a pothole a broken swing if you're gonna have a comedy about a government that's so true and but as a counterpoint Mike Schur and uh, Dan Gore's current show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are, like, talking about and writing about the fact that, like, it's kind of crazy to have a comedy show about the New York Police Department. Like, uh... And just be able to kind of, like, make jokes about it. Yeah. Um, but Actual I, murders. Right. Yeah, like, uh, murders. Like, right. um, and maybe Mike Schur, like, praise him, uh, is, like, the thing that kind of brings all that together. Thank you for crossing yourself. I didn't um, have to get into it. Uh, I, like, I mean, he's the common denominator between those two things. I don't know. I just love that guy. Uh... Ken Tremendous on Twitter. He tweets a lot about the Boston Red Sox. Get into it! Um, what, okay. Um, so this feels like an early, like, uh, pre-Crazy Ira and the Douche idea. This whole, uh, this whole, um, I love that I could just say Crazy Ira and the Douche. And it, it's so, so it's a, a laugh for the, that should be on the Parks Gifts yes. list. Crazy Ira and the Douche should absolutely be on that list. Um, Perd and, Perd Halfley and uh, Joan Calamezzo made that list, but uh, 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 Crazy Iron the Douche did not. And that, that's that's an oversight on my part. I apologize. Uh, this is called Season 3 Ideas. There's one that just says, um, Leslie and Adam go on a local talk show hosted by a horrible Pawnee, Glenn Beck. Uh, they, yeah. uh, they debate the size of government. The argument gets heated. Glenn Beck takes Adam's side. Leslie gets pummeled. Afterwards, Adam tries to be conciliatory. It wasn't personal. 
quote, uh, Leslie acts like it's okay on the surface, but it clearly strikes a nerve. That's interesting because they had an almost gone back like character who was played by oh, the guy who played Jack and Will and Grace, and he tried to. Oh, when, when that's Leslie right. Drunk, yes. Like, um. Uh. Yeah. Oh God. What is that? Sean. Sean Haynes. Haynes. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah, that's really true. She gets super drunk and does the show drunk. And then he kind of, like, does this, like, gotcha thing with her. Yeah. Then, yeah. It's interesting because they, they have used, like, pieces of this, I feel like. I think that's one of the most interesting things about, like, flipping through these things. Um, and I'll uh, leave them up here on this table after we finish recording if you guys want to flip through them. But, like, don't fuck them up. Shaki was really nice to let me uh, borrow them. But I don't want to sit here and, like, read. I mean, this is... That would be so uninteresting. Um, like, interesting, but uninteresting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, everyone would enjoy it, but it's not good podcast, right? Anyway. I'll trust you. Should you, though? Here's Roblo finds out that Andy used to date Anne. Uh, Andy brags that Anne was really into him. They lived together. Anne did all sorts of things for him. Andy says they broke up a while ago, but she even kissed him earlier that year. It was crazy. crazy. Ravlo becomes fascinated with Andy. He hangs out with him and tries to learn from him. Andy teaches him a song on the guitar that Ravlo later plays for Anne to no avail. Andy goes to Anne. I think Ravlo's a pretty cool guy. Later, Ravlo finds this out. Rob Lowe puts in a good word for Andy to someone high up in the city government. Quote, that shoeshine kid's got a bright future. (laughs) Uh, But, like, the writing was on the wall. Like, they wanted, you know, like, before they even named these characters, they were writing in these relationships. I think that's, oh, oh, I'm so glad I saw this one. Um, One of these is uh, Rob Lowe gets alcohol poisoning at the snake hole lounge. Tom calls Leslie, who calls Anne. They nurse him back to health without the embarrassment of a hospital visit. That's, like, the first... To me, that is, like, the first place that the fight started. You know what I mean? That whole snake juice episode was, like, well, if Rob's gonna get alcohol poisoning... Everybody should just get them all super drunk. He was one of the few characters that didn't get drunk, I feel like, right? Or, like, something happened to him and he wasn't there? Yeah, he wasn't there. Um, And then Donna was drinking the cayenne pepper thing, so she didn't get drunk. She didn't drink snake juice. She had to drive the bins, baby. She had to get everybody home. (laughs) Jerry was on the roof. I think is the most underused character on the show. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, she definitely doesn't get the uh, the highlight that pretty much everyone else, especially by the end, you know, she gets to do what she wants. Um, but even the like more minor characters, uh, like Jerry, I think. I mean, they started. They weren't even series regulars at the beginning. Yeah, they didn't even get like a slot on the um, the title credits until, until like, season seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Once um, once Rob and uh, Rashida got out of the way, uh, Retta and Jim finally got their day. I was happy for them. I was too. Wasn't it so weird to like be watching the credits? I, I remember watching the credits for whenever they started doing that, um, and we were all just like, "Oh yeah, Retta, yeah." <laughs> Like, how, we like, what a dumb little thing, but you love the characters so much. Um, but you know what, Donna, 
when she does get highlighted is amazing and and i i think part of it is like the reason her character works so well is the mystery surrounding her and she's oh like, yeah this apartment in seattle you don't know about and she like is incredibly good with men and like you don't really see that very much but her she's related episode, to genuine yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god um when her brother lavandrius shows up at yes. her wedding no, nobody gets popcorn. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. He brought and a the fact that it was Questlove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh-huh. the, and yeah, the show rewards its viewers. Like Donna complaining about her brother Lavandrius is something they've mentioned like uh, one time, I one or two yeah. times, maybe. And then he comes back in her wedding and it's just like, boom. We fought over the fact that the microwave, po- I don't know, something microwave popcorn related. That's hilarious. Oh, stupid. Yo. Since you just paused, can I make an unscheduled appearance? Sure. You're <laughs> doing it right now. <laughs> Yay! Claire Friedman, everyone! I made you a drawing. Yeah! Since I a drawing and I have to leave right now. <laughs> Bye, Claire. Thought I wanted to give you a drawing. Thank you for your drawing that is, oh, it says I love you and I mean that. It has me on it, and I'm obviously wearing high tops. Obviously, she captured your shoes really well. And uh, at the bottom, drawn by Claire Friedman, parentheses, who talked about drawing. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um... I think also since we're paused, this would be a good time to invite another friend of the show and past guest up to the stage with us, Kevin Budnick. Come join us. Um, Oh, no. Did you just lose all the audio? I don't know what Kevin Reader's computer password is, and it's locked. Uh Let's guess for a little while. Um... Uh, well, we don't need it right now, but we will need it by the end, ideally. What could it be? Um, uh, <laughs> I just got a haircut. Six. <laughs> Skrillex. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, cool. So, I was going to play a little theme song, and I can't because... <laughs> it was just the Doug theme song. Uh-huh. So just like imagine that it was the Doug theme song. Yeah. Actually, I don't need this anymore. I'm just going to use my phone. Um, <laughs> you going to play it? Um, yeah, awesome. go ahead. You yeah. introduce what we're doing here, Kevin, okay, and so, I will play the Doug theme song. Uh, since I was a guest on uh, Mary Weston's uh, Mary podcast, I'm BSing. Why did I forget the name of your podcast? It's cool, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, my episode was about Nicktoons. And uh, I thought it would be fun to do a little trivia game uh, competition for you guys. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to. You don't have to be like a, an expert about Nicktoons or anything. There we go. Yeah. Isn't that satisfying? Yeah. yeah. There we go. Would have been such a good intro to this man. <laughs> uh. All right. So. Uh, this is just the word game. It's not like you don't have to be a, a pro uh, oh, yeah. kid to know anything about it. Uh, and I think we'll do it like this. We'll do like, Mary Beth, if you, I'll, I'll ask you the question, and if you get it, you get a point, and then we'll go to Trin. And then if you don't get it, you'll get a chance to steal. Okay. We'll do it that way. Deal. Okay. okay. I'm going to be really bad. I was telling Mary Beth earlier that, like, I didn't grow up with cable, so I don't actually even know what all these shows are, so let's see what happens. 
happens. Well, yeah. It's also a thinking puzzle. So, like, if you don't know the name of the show, it's just like a word association. All right. So what I've done is uh, I took all the names of a bunch of Nicktoons, and I just kind of uh, used synonyms. So we got an example. Um, if I say feline canine. Cat dog. Cat dog. Cat dog is a cartoon about a cat so and a dog that are used at the middle. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all right, so for question number one. This is for Mary Beth. Carpet vermin. Oh, Rugrats. Yeah. Very, good. Very good. Uh, all right, this will be for you, Trin. Oh, this is going to... Maybe oh, no. this shouldn't be yours. <laughs> I'll give you the second one. Thank you. Uh, the relatively strange breeders. Relatively strange breeders. You can think it through. Oh, fairly odd parents. Correct. Yeah. All right, this one will go for Mary Beth. The stuff that horses eat, plus the name of the diner from Happy Days, minus the possessive tense. <laughs> hey, dude. No. Nope. I don't watch the Happy Days. From Happy stuff days. that horses eat. Hey. Oh no. Hey Arnold. Hey yep. Arnold. Hey. Oh my god, if I win, this is very shameful for you. <laughs> I will gladly concede. There's no better way than to celebrate your 100th episode than by losing to someone. Completely humbling you by kicking your butt. Yep. Uh, I agree. Alright, this one is then. So that was a point for Trin. Do we. Yeah, oh, I got it. Okay. She's got two. No, I mean, who one. gets the next question now? Oh, no, uh, it should be yours. Trin, yeah. yeah, it should be yours. I know games. Um, <laughs> Alright. Wilhelm scream, tactical ghouls. Wilhelm, wait, tactical ghouls? Yeah. Wilhelm scream, <laughs> tactical ghouls. Okay. Ah, tactical ghouls. Ah, something. Oh. 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 I don't watch yes. yeah. I love that the audience knew exactly what that was. I know. Everyone was like, no. That, to be fair, like... When I was thinking of this, this was for me. Yeah. I wrote this list for myself. Hey, man, uh, that's what the podcast is all about. All right, so this is for Mary Beth. The Untamed Pointy Fruits. Ah. Wild Phone Berries. Got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. This one's for Trin. Uh, a, back, a breakfast pastry with a hole in it, minus the hanut. Okay, a breakfast pastry with a hole in it, so this could be a bagel or a donut. Wait, minus the hanut? I mean, minus the hanut. Doug. 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 Yeah! <laughs> I love these. I'm so glad you played the theme song. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I pooched that one. <laughs> All right. For Mary Beth. Thus related via the name of a spice... As told by Ginger. Nailed it. Hey, baby! <laughs> Deep cuts! <laughs> Someone once told me the grass was much greener on the other side. <laughs> That's the first line of the theme song. Sung by Macy Gray. Sung by Macy Gray. Yep. From also, where I'm standing. If you haven't watched that show, it's all on YouTube, and it's it's really good. Shit holds guys. up? Yeah, yeah I believe that. I, I don't know if I ever saw all of that show, but what I did, I enjoyed. 
It's it's a good coming of age yeah. uh, story. I remember uh, liking um, Hey Arnold for similar reasons as As Told by Ginger. As Told by Ginger was a little bit more set in like a realistic world. Yeah, than yeah. Hey Arnold was. like Degrassi. You're gonna yeah. love As Told by Ginger. <laughs> I don't know how to better sell it. <laughs> All right. Question for Trent. Spaceship energy potential. Spaceship energy potential. Oh. Oh no, I want to get it though. You're doing, I mean, you're beating me. This will tie us up. Because I can't even. This will tie us up. Spaceship energy potential. I got nothing. Rocket power. Rocket power. Bung, 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 bung. It was about a bunch of uh, really far out kids uh, rollerblading and stuff. (laughs) It was super fun. Yeah, it had nothing to do with rockets except for the fact that that was their last name. Yeah, we are riders on a mission. Action kids in plane positions. Rocket power. (laughs) I really like theme songs. Um, all right. This next question is for Mary Beth. Foreign enemy plus the last letter of the alphabet plus a self-identi- self-identifying contraction. I can repeat that because it's... Invader right. Zim? Yeah. yeah. I had a real hard time wow. turning Zim that into That was a show a I never... Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. But you did it. A self-identifying contraction. I like these. Mm-hmm. You got away with words, Budnick. I try. Uh... And comics. Have you guys seen this guy's comics? That was one of the coolest things about his episode is that he so directly got to be able to talk about how cartoons influence the fact that this guy is a fucking cartoonist. I have a thing in my notebook that is he drew me and Claire hugging yesterday and it's adorable and I asked him to do that and he did it and I love it. (laughs) It was free Uh, comic book day. Everybody gets free things. Free comic book day. It's also about hugs. And uh, also about hugs. <laughs> it's always about hugs with oh, me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Whose question is this? This uh, is for Trent, I think. Yeah, I had Invaders in Okay. Earth sediment, the letter between N and P, his contemporary existence. Oh, no. Okay. This is tough. Earth sediment. Plus, the letter between N and P... L M N O P. So I uh, earth sediment like soil maybe or like dirt or okay okay guys you can't help me. <laughs> That's not fair. Oh I think it's fair. I grew up in front of a television that had yeah. cable attached to it, so I think it's absolutely Sand, fair. Sando, Sando, Dirto, Soilo. I would watch that show. Dust, dusto. <laughs> what's even what's even a sediment? Clay? Oh. Uh, yeah, th- yeah. Think like, yeah. Oh, less, less, you're being you're being really specific. Like, be more broad with like what a sediment is. The sediment is uh, rocks. Yeah. Rocks yeah. Yeah. Yay. Oh, I, I got get the first so word. excited when I figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it for a while there, honestly. So it was a hard one. Uh, <laughs> This one is less hard. For Mary Beth. Explosion! Kablam! Yup. <laughs> Alright. Uh, also, Parks and Rec tie-in. Kaboom. Kaboom, kaboom. it. Yeah. Uh, a little Paul Shear action. Getting everybody to kaboom those parks. Alright, that was all I had. <laughs> okay, for Trin. 
Absorbent Robert four-sided shaped trousers. Oh, with SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. Need yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, for Mary Beth. Movement Squad this instance. Oh, uh, Action League Now? Correct. Starring the flesh. <laughs> He's super strong and super naked. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, like, like that, guys, if you haven't watched Nick Tunes in a while, yeah. <laughs> like treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These last two are, like, super deep cuts, so I don't expect anybody. These could just be, like, bonus points. Are we tied, actually? Uh, I think it's seven to seven to six. Okay. Uh, we'll do this one, and the last one might have to be a tiebreaker. That's what, yeah, I was going to propose the same thing. Good, uh, thinking. Okay. For Trin, calcium area. Calcium area. Calcium. This is tricky. Calcium is a mineral. Calcium is, you put it in bones. Calcium, the abbreviation is CA. I'm also not a geologist, so Uh. this might not be 100% accurate. (laughs) What is it? Calcium, the CA zone area. It's calzone. That's what it is. Oh! Parks and Rec, call back! No, this is not Calzone. Is it Bone Zone? It's Chalk Zone. Oh, Chalk Zone. Yeah, that's right. I don't think so. Uh, It's a... No, it's a... Yeah, it's a... It's a a calcium... um, It's it's got... uh, It's like calcium blah blah. It's like calcium and another thing. And you're not just holding like a chunk of calcium, but... Yeah, fair enough. You're on the right track. All right. Oh, also, I'm wearing my... Papa Ben's low-cal calzone zone shirt. And uh, this was the best time to unveil it. Uh, it says, say nope to greasy pizza. And it says, try our Swanson special. It was just a whole plate with a bunch of bacon and eggs on it. Uh, and, then, and then it has an asterisk that says, not low-cal. Uh, so that was it. All right, tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> that was why I hadn't done that yet. I knew there was no good place for it. <laughs> totally All right, this one's uh, probably the most deep cut. I don't even know if this was on TV like past the point when I should have actually been watching Nicktoons. Ooh, uh, I don't recall if this show was was funny. Uh, <laughs> I only remember what it looked like um, and the name of it. So. Rump unattractive beings from the red planet. Oh, um, but ugly aliens, aliens from Mars. Close. What do you call an alien from Mars? But ugly Mars. Martians. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Martians we worked on that one together. We did it. I think that means we tied. We won. Yeah. Nice little uh, palate cleanser. <laughs> and uh, check out Budnick's comics because they're awesome. Um, you can uh, his what's your Instagram handle is at Knitted Sweater as well. Uh, that's my Twitter. Oh, uh, home Ascone. Oh, that's right, Home Ascone. But go to his Tumblr, yeah. which is Google me. Uh, Kevin. Just Google Kevin Budnick. There's no C in Budnick. Kevin Budnick. With just a K. And look at this guy's comics because they deserve to be looked at. And um, it's been so cool to be friends with you for a few years and, like, seeing how much you've worked on and progressed at that time. So thank you so much. Uh, 
applause for the Budnick. Um, cool. How do we... Let's... Oh, um, so when I was looking at one of these documents that Sarah Shockey loaned me, um, I noticed that it had specific uh, writers' names at the top. Um, and this is, uh, just as a fair warning, kind of a bummer. Um, because as I was flipping through it, I found towards the end, um, uh, uh, Harris's ideas. Uh. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, Harris Whittles was, uh, an incredible, uh, comedian and writer who, uh, really tragically, uh, passed away in the last year. Um, and... During, while the last season of Parks was airing, actually, um, if you never, if you're interested in his story, um, he had uh, trouble with addiction, and he went on uh, Pete Holmes's podcast. You made it weird. Um, his second appearance was all about his story, and uh, man, it's not for the faint of heart. It's uh, and especially, I have not been able to revisit it since uh, he died. Just it, it was already a lot to listen to it on the first go round, yeah. um, and to know how that story ends is fucking tragic. Um, uh, but um, Harris's ideas, the very first thing on this page is a cold open idea, and um, it's uh, the department has an ugliest sweater contest. Jerry shows up late, doesn't know it's a contest, and wins by a unanimous vote. <laughs> How fucking incredible is that? Oh, I was just, like, flipping through this, like, oh, man, if there's Harris stuff in here, it's going to bum me out. And that was the first line on it. And I, like, I couldn't be too bummed out because it was just too good. Like, it was so funny and smart. Um, and he played one of the characters in the Animal Control. He, he was, was Harris. So yeah, he was Harris, the Animal Control employee, which is a great little running bit. And, like, if you thought Parks ran, like, unefficiently, then you see the, like, Animal Control, quote-unquote, department. <laughs> like, I, I actually, the uh, thread of the Animal Control department is really good. I and think just, so too. Especially because they had like their whole town on for run by raccoons at one point. Yes. It just made a lot of sense that they would have some representation. I totally agree. Uh, and uh, I actually wrote in, in my Parks Gifts list um, Greg Pukaitis. Yes! <laughs> At the Peach Pit! Yes! Whatever happened to good old Greg Pukaitis? That is one of the reasons I wrote it down because you know what? I would have loved a little Pukaitis reprise. Yeah. It was so fun. Like Leslie... One of Leslie's greatest, like, enemies was just this little high school prankster kid. Well, he came back for that one episode where she was trying to convince um, this uh, young lady to That's be right. an intern. And then that it ended up being that, that she, this perfect angel of an intern was this horrible uh, young man's uh, girlfriend. Right. Yeah. How and, like, genius. It was so good. For Leslie to see herself in this woman. And then she's dating Greg. Greg Pekaitis. Pekaitis. Yeah. Like, what a... I wanted him to like have like a, almost like a Bobby Newport story. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like I wanted him to get like everything he wanted because just just because he was like a little shit. Uh-huh. You know, I like I hated him and loved him. Yeah, and like it was so satisfying because he was really smart and just mischievous. Yeah, and uh, uh, it was so fun to but see. But truly Leslie. destructive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like every year, Greg Pukai is like <laughs> it's such a. That's such a. I think that's a really. 
Pawnee itself has so much lore. Yes. Um, and to borrow something from the uh, Amy Poehler, um, Paul Rudd helmed They Came Together. Have you seen this? No. Incredible. It's really? on Netflix. Okay. Watch it ASAP. Um, but in the, it's a takeoff or a satire of um, romantic comedies. Uh, and in the first scene, they talk about, like, well, I think in our story, you have to consider that there are three characters. Um, it's the two of us. And the city of New York is definitely a character. <laughs> uh, so, but, like, Pawnee is a character. Like, Pawnee is this fully realized place yes. that has so much lore. And, like, the first page of this story idea thing has um, Leslie comes into the office stinking, gets bitten by a raccoon, and is shocked at what people will flush. Like, it's about working with the sewage department, but it still involves raccoons. Um, they know how to kind of, like, weave those things back into the show. And the fact that, like, Leslie was so betrayed by the city of Ponte several times. Like, yeah. Like, she was actually born in Eagleton, and, like, yeah. that was a big freaking deal. Uh -huh. and, like, and the fact that they, they turned against her, and they kicked her out of office, but still she soldiered on because she cared about them and her yeah. Like that was that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, being she got put on city council, which was a huge storyline in the fifth season, I think, and then they almost immediately like voted her out of city council. But yeah, like you said, she still really soldiers on. Um, and she's underappreciated by the city of Pawnee, like, from the beginning. Like, she'll hold these town hall meetings that everybody will come to, but they'll, like, yell at her and be like, I found a sandwich in the park, and it was terrible. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, truly, like, it's so funny that on a show full of dumb people, yeah. those town hall meetings could still be the dumbest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... What a great commentary on this, like, world that we live in where people are willing to complain about shit that no one can do anything about. Right. The local government thing. My favorite uh, outburst from a town hall meeting was this woman saying that um, she drank from the sprinklers in a park that said, like, do not drink, and, like, now I have typhoid. And I thought that was, like, that was the best thing. Like, why would you, you even think about the concept of, like, a sign on a sprinkler that says, do not drink. It's like, why would you even need to put that there? And she went and drank a But you're talking about, this is said in a city where they established that no one knew how to properly drink out of water fountains. Yes! <laughs> they put their whole mouth. They put their whole mouth yeah. over the spout of the water fountain. Yeah. And to solve it, they just, it was like they spent a, it was a whole B story of an episode <laughs> trying to get people to stop putting their mouths over the I think the genius of having Andy Dwyer in that episode, like, trying to figure out how to drink out of these water fountains and, like, trying to put his mouth over the entire water fountain. It was beautiful. And then he just had to take the thing off. Yeah. You just take off, and, and then it's just a stream of water. You just gotta Nobody. shoot water at them. That's the only way to get them drink sanitarily. So <laughs> and then, like, the, the permeation of, like, Punch Burger as yes. a place that exists in Pawnee. The commercial that they aired on the in the, uh, the Johnny, Johnny Karate, Karate episode. episode. Yeah, like, <laughs> but what are you, idiot? <laughs> you don't want to eat vegetables, nerd. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> all those uh, commercials were so incredible. I like how we love this show so much. We're like barely fucking making sense anymore. I we're know. Just 
got it. <laughs> uh, but everyone is um, enabling that because I've gotten great. I, when I <laughs> talked about how no one could drink out of water fountains, everyone just had like that knowing laugh yeah. of how ridiculous that was. <laughs> That's so cool. Like I just think it's so unique and and. Um, Perfect. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about the sh- the show. Um, how do you feel like um, you have like interacted with it? Well, you've touched on that a little bit, like people saying like, "Oh, uh, Cards Against Humanity, seven twenty, things like that." Um, I know for me, I could talk about like personal relationships I feel like I have with like certain aspects of the show or things that I've shared with people about the show um, um, the day of the finale more than one person emailed me um, articles that people had like written about the finale just because they were like hey I know you really love this show here's some cool articles I found about it and like a couple of texts and things like that like that's so cool that, that that a television show could have that effect on people. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, for me, I think my biggest, like, takeaway from the show, because um, we were talking a little bit about, like, the friendship between Anne and, and Leslie and how that sure. in itself is a character. Like, thinking about female friendships and how they are portrayed in the media is really important to me. So the, the articles that I received, like, at the end of, of the show, uh-huh. people, like, talking about... Um, like how this is this is a, a cool thing for feminism. Like this mm-hmm. is a cool thing for women that we're talking about. Like a, a female relationship that has its like its problems and its drama, but it's not like portrayed as um, competitive. It's not yeah. co- it's portrayed as like catty, which is like the dumbest word to describe anything. Uh, but yeah, like that was that was important for me and why I care about Valentine's Day and like strewed doilies all over the office on February thirteenth. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. And um, what a cool thing to be able to get out of. A fucking TV show. Yeah. Just like being able to say, like, yeah, that's this is a positive. Like, but it's almost kind of ridiculous that you we don't really feel like there are that many representations of that. It's insane, and like, and I really can't think of any other like significant ones that were on like the air, like when Parks and Rec started. Sure, like Broad City is a, is a great example. Oh yeah, of that, uh, Broad City. Um, thank God for Broad City because I don't know what I would tell people was my favorite show that was still on the air. Yeah, if it had it started before Parks and Rec ended, because right. like I was like, I don't know, I like TV and stuff, but now I get <laughs> to be like Broad City, you got to be watching it. <laughs> and like even just the representation on the show, period. Like there's oftentimes on a TV show not even enough women characters for there to be a friendship between women because they That's, just aren't on the show or they because there's talk. like a couple, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and to make them friends and just be. Like, oh, so all the ladies are friends with one another. Right. <laughs> but there were such good friendships otherwise, too. April and Donna become really good friends. So what yeah. a cool friendship. I loved that. And yeah. the episode where they got to know each other, and Donna was like, so, like, what was it? It was like everybody um, had a dog. They Donna, yeah, April and Craig, which we haven't talked about Craig. We will talk about Craig. Not, uh, I hope we do. I'm so, we will talk about Craig. Okay, good, because like Billy Eichner is... Everything. <laughs> and when I found out that he was going to be a recurring character, it was like, oh, yeah, duh, of course. Like, right. this amazing person also gets to be on this amazing show. Yes. Um, yeah, Craig and April were trying to define what everyone's, like, spirit dog was right. in the office. And there are some really good ones in there. They're really good. And the first one they pitched to Donna, she was like, you don't know me. Like, <laughs> wasn't it, 
like the first thing that said was like a poodle or something yeah. like that. Like she like and she did April did a lot of research into figuring out what Donna's like spirit dog was because Donna was really hurt by the fact that nobody like understood her that well. Yeah. So over the course of the episode, they're trying to figure out who this dog is, who it is, who it is, who it is. And finally at the end, April's like, the thing is, is you're not a dog. You're a cat. And I was like, that's the best thing I ever heard because she is. Like, yeah. She needs you to interact with her in a very specific way. Uh-huh. Like she needs, she likes things that are like nice and she likes to like have all the stuff. And I but it. then like when she gets it, she's like, oh, you're cool. We yeah. can hang out. And then she purrs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Like uh, how satisfying. And I, I think that it's so... I mean, we're talking about a B story from one episode in season six um, that resonated with you as a person who has friendships. You know what I mean? Like, a B story for an episode of season six of a comedy is usually like, Oh, who shed a turd on the mattress? I don't know. <laughs> Just an idea. I think that was um. I think that was um. <laughs> um uh, Always sunny reference. Wow. Like uh uh uh. uh, uh it was the yeah, story, yeah. Who who turned it in the shared um, Charlie and Danny DeVito character uh, Frank shared bed, um, but and like you don't know like Holy Sunny is a hilarious show, but. It's different. It's yes. just fucking different. You don't get, you don't leave an episode of Always Sunny being like, wow, yeah, that is kind of how friendships operate. <laughs> You're like, God, I hope this isn't how friendships operate. These people are deplorable to one another. Yeah. Yeah. But like every character's relationship with each other is important. And I, I just, I love it. I love friendship. It's just good. You have a podcast called Friendshipping. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> My, I mean, by proxy though, I just love BSing, which is true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um, on my list of parks gifts, we kind of passed this, but I wanted to make sure it was known. I wrote down the quote from season seven. There was a really brief uh, B or C story that was a men's rights activist, <laughs> um, and the Oof. only way, like, they shut it down. In the sense that Amy, uh, Leslie Nope had a speech, and to address the men's rights activists, uh, it w- the whole speech wasn't even about that. She just said, first of all, um, to the, I think they're called the male men on the show, <laughs> to the male men, you're ridiculous, and men's rights is nothing. <laughs> incredible like you yeah. know like that was just somebody in the writer's room going like oh fuck men's right <laughs> like that's so great um that was a really I, I thought that was a really uh important conversation to have period because it, uh, because the whole thing started that she couldn't please everybody yeah like through her actions as a woman like she was uh, like if she did this pie contest like then she the make, pie mary the pie mary if she was in the pie mary and made a pie then the feminist would be angry at her if mm-hmm. she uh, if, like did if she did not do it then the men's rights activists would be mad at her and so there was no winning and mm-hmm. i feel like that line to me spoke to me in a way not just like oh fuck men's rights which you know do that but also like like fuck it like I have to like be who I am and make a pie if I want to and make a pie if I don't want to like whatever I totally agree with she you couldn't make it's not like she was saying like 
she just said it's ridiculous and this is nothing like why can't we just move forward and like not be assholes to one another like i think that's it's such a succinct like satisfying thing um i wrote the pyramid of greatness on this list because er, it's right behind us uh pyramid of success the romantic love being at the top of the pyramid i think really sums up old ronnie boy here (laughs) was that the top of the pyramid in the uh i know romantic love was on it i'm not sure it was at the top though yeah i feel like i feel like rod wouldn't put that at the top i don't think so either it is definitely an important thing in his life like truth justice capitalism something like that would be i think that literally is like the like top few uh, in in the the part that went to air um, I, I often say and truly believe this. I think Ron Swanson is one of the greatest if uh, television characters ever written. I totally agree with you. I, like, uh, something about the... I, we haven't really touched on this too much, but I think it happened a lot across the board that like Nick Offerman's person and uh, interests and everything really informed who Ron was as a character, and that happened a lot. Like yeah. they wrote things in Donna live tweeting shows. She Breta does that on Twitter all the time. Like um, it's just that's so interesting to me. It really speaks to I think a big cohesive like writer actor. Uh, experience on the set. Yeah. I love the Duke Silver storyline. Duke was- Silver is on the Parks Gifts list. <laughs> I think it was so important to kind of temper this, like, really hardened character with his, like, soulful saxophone playing alter ego. Like, that's so beautiful. Who the fuck thinks of that? It's genius. And the fact that, like, he didn't want anyone to know, and the, uh, April is the one who, like, has the secrets, mm-hmm. and it becomes this great storyline yes. well so like when, when he shows Diane his like future wife like the, the baby like this like this is for like my lovely lady in the audience or whatever and she sees that part of him that yeah. is so important so and touching. hilarious but also like touching and beautiful yeah, yeah. I totally agree I mean I, I feel like you could you're, and she's Zena of course Ron Swanson married Zena vice, pre- vice principal Zena yeah <laughs> like uh, it's just so there's so many small things like that that make it so perfect yeah. I don't know how else to oh I also wrote Cones of Dunshire on this <laughs> list <laughs> um, I can't sit in a, a card game's office and not t- talk about Cones of Dunshire. Yeah, like um, so. My brother um, was like, "Do you think they're going to make Cones of Dunshire like a game?" And and, and I, because I go to Gen Con and it mm-hmm. was pr- it was uh, brought to Gen Con, uh, right? Like by Mayfair Games, and I didn't think that they were going to make it for real. So yeah, but they did like a limited. They made like a limited number. Yeah, you had to pay like some certain amount of money, and it went to, to charity to be the the ledgerman to get to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was. Uh, I mean, it was very successful. I think they gave all the money to, like, an Indiana Children's Hospital or something. Like cool. That. Don't quote me on that because I don't know if Yeah, I, I bet there's truth to that. I know that they that it was, like, charity-associated. Uh, but I the Codes of Dunshire thing and um, Papa Ben's Locale Calzone Zone <laughs> both come out of times that Ben is unemployed. And I feel like there were even times when, like, there were so many times when I was watching Parks where, like, I would be going through something that the characters were going through as well. And I'm pretty sure at some point during a Ben's being unemployed stint, I was unemployed too. And I was like, oh, man, this is what it feels like. <laughs> like, I do want to make 10 seconds of a claymation video. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then it was, and then claymation. Is <laughs> the word claymation abbreviated for no reason? It's so satisfying. I really love how they crafted Ben as like this perfect compliment to Leslie's life. Yes. What a healthy portrayal of a relationship. Yes. In my opinion. They really, there was so much give and take and they supported each other so much and through so much and it just made me really happy. Yeah, it's, it's, I like you and I love you. Are you fucking kidding me? That's, That's beautiful. That's my, uh, my Twitter bio for a long time was, um, I think I'm cooler than the girl described in Free Falling. She sounds lame. Because <laughs> she just loves horses and bullshit. <laughs> and, uh... I got to a point where I was like, oh, that's a, like, <laughs> that's a lame thing to have as your Twitter bio. So I changed it to uh, loves you and likes you. Oh, you're precious and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. And but I wouldn't have that way to say it if it weren't for this thing that I love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Trin, I think we could literally do this forever. Um, but uh I need to not subject all of these people to that. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love for you um, to speak. Oh God. I, um, before I say this, um, at the very top of the list of parks gifts is Ron loving puzzles. (laughs) The fact that Ron Swanson loves like puzzles and riddles. They've only done it like two or three times, but every time is the only time besides one other thing that just gets him like, Pure glee. Oh yeah, it's this boyish giggle. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like Nick Offerman's laugh is infectious, and to for it to be puzzles and riddles yeah. and like scavenger hunt things for that to bring that out in him um, is a delight. Um, along with that, whenever I want to just like watch a good thing and feel a lot and cry, I watch the Ben and Leslie um, wedding episode. This is a beautiful episode. I've seen it mm, ten times. The one that I watch when I want to cry and like be happy and sad at the same time is um, when it's the trial for Ben and Leslie, and when he he like, gives up his job, like uh, when he was tiny part. Yeah, that is. And then Gail she, <laughs> or Ethel Beavers. Ethel Beavers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She I don't know why I said Gail. She she wakes her up and and like they say I love you and it's beautiful. And yeah, that's is that the that's the first time they ever like really figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ethel Beavers is a great character, pretty clutch. Oh my god, Ethel Beavers in season seven when she's talking about boning the governor. She <gasps> fucked oh, the, the mayor, mayor of Pawnee for like a super long time, like forty years. Hilarious. Yeah, it is Bill Murray. <laughs> um, that so. Um, I read during like season three or four that they were really trying to get Bill Murray to play the mayor of Pawnee and they didn't know if it would ever happen. It was like a pie in the sky kind of thing. So that was something they worked to try to do for years. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so rad. Yeah. And then they, they, they did it. And then, but like in the best way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anywho, what I was going to say before I did a thing that I knew we could do forever um, <laughs> was no, it's not your fault. It's my fault. If I'm steering the ship and it's going off the rails because uh, <laughs> you put a ships ship on are on rails. rails. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel like Parks and Recreation has influenced your life both um, creatively and uh, in general? 
creatively and in general. And so I'll start with in general first. Um, it, it, like I kind of mentioned earlier, um, the emphasis on friendship and relationships in the uh, in the show and the healthy portrayal of friendships it makes me notice those things yeah. more often. Like in movies and in, in TV shows, it makes me notice when there isn't more than one woman in yeah. the script to talk to I each totally other. Totally agree with that. It's it, it's uh, it's kind of sad and sucks. And and uh, and the healthy portrayal of Leslie and Ben is and the give and take of that relationship. That's the thing that I, I discovered. It's a really that I, incredible TV relationship. Yeah. Like incredible. Yeah, he resigns in disgrace for her, and then he does so much for her. But it's because he sees all the things that she does for everyone. Yeah, and I mean, like they, they and do, for him, they do like things for each other, which yeah. I think is is really great. It's definitely like not one all one sided. So that that was important for me. And then um, this what was the second half of that. I'm sorry. Um, creatively, like in your in your life, in your job, and the things that you do um, um, that can be influenced by a piece of art or something that you love so much. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that Parks and Rec is one of the reasons why I do my podcast, Friendshipping. Um, and and it's funny because one of the most common questions that Jen and I get is, um, I need the Anne to my Leslie or the Leslie Aww. to my. You know, and like, and they'll like phrase it in, in a variety of different ways. But like, Parks and Rec comes up a lot in our ask box, and I just think that that's that's interesting. That's really telling. Yeah, people like care about this stuff, and it's beautiful. It is, and I, I don't even think it's a shame that it never became like the critical or I mean, critically, people always really liked it, but it never became the like commercial success. That I think it could have been, but we still got seven incredible seasons of television, yeah. or you know, six incredible seasons and one like decent half season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's like it's good that we live in a world where something like this can still get produced. And uh, I mean, I think it's really telling how. Uh, fucking famous all the people on the show have become like Chris Pratt is like yeah he's the guardian of the galaxy he is the guy he is the Jurassic world that doesn't work in the same way (laughs) (laughs) but like and they're talking about him for um, Indiana Jones too Oh, I would love him so much more than Shia LaBeouf. Durr, Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Has anyone said that yet? Was that me the first time? Someone said that. It doesn't matter. Um, It was best this time. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Gennaro gave me some notes during the show. Uh, 2015 Emmy nominations will be announced in the beginning of July. And also, we can check the top of the Ron Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. And the pinnacle is Honor. Honor. If you, oh, where's romantic love now? Um, uh, right, right in the middle, like here-ish. Yeah, that's around where sense. deer protein was <laughs> on this guy. Um, but at the top three, which is pretty good, are uh, honor, America, and buffets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for doing this with me, Trent. I have uh, uh, one other small note that I got from someone in the audience uh, during the show. Daniel Duvall, his episode uh, was about bowling, and uh, he said he has nothing interesting to add other than his own personal segue that there's a bowling episode on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bowling like a grandmother. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Granny shots. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had an epiphany um, during the day today 
that there was really only one way uh, to close out this episode of the show. Um, so uh, before we do this, I will say uh, thank you so much, Trin. Thank you so much uh, to everyone who's here. Thank you for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. Obviously, I uh, wanted to talk about parks more than anything. <laughs> Um, and um, mostly let you talk about it, too. So that was nice. <laughs> this was absolutely delightful, and I'm so happy to have been here. And, like, congratulations again. Like, you're great, and you're happy and enthusiastic, and you are the Leslie Nope of comedy. I'll try, man. That is great. That's really sweet. Um, to uh, everyone who's been a guest on the show, I really can't tell you how much your contribution has meant in the last 100 weeks of my life. Um, thanks uh, so much for everyone. Uh, there are a ton of people who I've talked about um, being potential guests on the show and haven't booked yet. I have a list that's like 50 people long in my phone of people who I've either talked to about it. Trin has been on it for since way longer than like we actually talked about doing it. Um, but it's super long, and uh, if you're someone who's asked to do it and I haven't gotten to you yet, just bear with me. It'll happen. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just... Um, it's just MBS, man. Um, so uh, thank you so much to everyone who supported me um, in this journey. And I ask that we all, uh, after I say, Trin, I love you, and I like you, and I mean that. No! Uh, <laughs> we will all join together in singing. It's <laughs> uh, the only way, man. I know. I don't have one either. Legs for eagles, wings. <laughs> I'm gonna crack one open. That'll work. That's a good, uh, a good fill-in for not having a lighter. Ben, learn to fly. Offerman's American Ham at the Vic like two years ago and it was incredible and they closed the show. Nick and Megan and a few other people led the audience in Take it out there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this was the best. Hang out, talk to people, go home, try not to get rain done. Flaming red, flaming red, flaming red, flaming red, flaming red.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.